Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you are listening to Fifth Generation Warfare. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Monday, February 21st. (laughs) You'd think I'd get it right. February 21st in the year 2022. I hope so. That was a mouthful I tried to get out there. What an amazing start on this show. I'll tell you what, things are getting crazier in Canada. And if you think that they're going to deny the Emergency Powers Act, you're wrong. Pay attention. This is the first step in the WEF and the United Nations. For those of you who don't know what the WEF is, that's the World Economic Forum, uniting forces to literally take down countries one at a time. Canada is the first casualty of this. And we're going to talk all about this in context of the fifth generation warfare tonight. Before we begin tonight, MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. That's the home of the Bards Nation landing page on MyPillow. Using your Bards code, B-A-R-D-S, you're you're all sorts of great specials available to you. Here is a brief message from Mike Lindell. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and my pillow. Well, during these times, your support has meant everything to us. So my employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly onto you. We're selling the best products ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have my standard size my pillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. Or you can get custom fit with my premium queen size my pillows, regularly $79.98, now just $29.98. Or my king size, regular $89.98, now just $34.98. So go to mypillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1 800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. If you do it right now, I'm going to include a free gift with your purchase. Thank you, and God bless. That's MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Promo code is Bards. You can use that promo code anywhere on the Frank Speech site, the MyPillow site, and the MyStore site. All of those are available with amazing products all the way through all those platforms. That special gift Mike's talking about is a copy of his book, which literally tells the story of how a man was addict and became one of America's greatest CEOs, and the hero of that story is Christ. So check that out, mypillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your promo code Bards for great savings. You can also call the 800 number, 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939, if you want to speak to a Patriot Pillow counselor. I'm sure they're glad to help you get a good night's sleep, and you'll never have to go to that counselor for real again. All right, Patriots, a couple other quick things. Just remember, we have my, uh, we have the expeditioncoffee.com expedition coffee that's a coffee for our time it's literally designed for your health your energy and your boost in focus for the whole day you know i'm pretty discriminate on my coffee this was a literally one of the best coffees out there to combine all those health aspects in this current bio war environment we're in check that out and the other great products that are out on expedition xped expeditioncoffee.com and also the founders bible TheFoundersBible.com is the Bible for our time. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to get 20% off. That's an NASB 1995 edition with our founders' documents worked throughout the scripture. It's a heirloom-quality print, and it's printed in good old United States of America. All these products I talk about here I use personally and I endorse, just so we are clear. All right, so one bit of good news today that we'll start out with would be something like this. Oh, Breaker 1-9, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Pigpen? Come on. Oh, yeah, 10-4, Pigpen, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. 
And a convoy is what we have. American truckers are on the move. They have now shut down upper state New York near Buffalo. And they are moving into Montana to shut that down as well. Patriots, I cannot tell you how important this fight is to get involved in it anytime you have can. This fight is the only opportunity we are going to have for a long time. And we're going to get into that in a minute. You understand the magnitude of what we are dealing with. But just to understand as well how much Canada has changed, just listen to this one-minute testimony of what happened in Ottawa today. God bless. I'm glad you're safe, guys. is missing. I have brother. He needs a baton. So you know what happened was, no, what happened is they backed us up into the corner, and they grabbed the guy in front of us, and they started beating the guy up. So Wayne and I jumped in and said, guys, like, don't, like, I want to throw it like this. Like, don't hit him. Don't hit him. Like, relax. Don't hit him. This is peaceful. And then they grabbed me by my hair. So there's like piles of hair everywhere. And Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> they ripped that oh, off your coat. That's great. I didn't notice. I said it before, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they grabbed me by my hair and threw me. And they sort of, like, pushed my face into the ground and punched me. And my guys, like... And I'm yelling at him, I can't breathe. Like, what are you Same doing? Same with me, I couldn't breathe either. Get your hands behind your back. I said, I'm trying to put some space between my face and the ground because I can't breathe. And every time I move my hand from behind to just try to breathe, they start pounding on my head with a baton and with their fists. I'm like, what are you doing? It was, it was brutal. They don't know. They don't know. It was brutal. Disgusting. It was so disgusting. It is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. This is Canada today, and it's soon to be the United States very soon. I'm just going to start this out tonight as we talk about the framework of what this type of warfare is. Patriots, number one, you need to be reaching out to your police officers and your sheriffs. Sheriffs are probably the most notable. You need to have conversations with them to know where they sit. And police officers, that you're listening, as I know there are some, I know there's first responders, I know there's soldiers out there. Do not make the mistake of going against the people and thinking because you have a damn badge you're going to succeed in this. We know that the Masonic orders have penetrated most of the police departments in the world. And if you think that that's going to be victorious in the end, you are very wrong. Because we the people will come back and nothing will be forgotten. And just to make sure that everybody is welcome tonight, welcome to DHS, CIA, FBI, NSA, and all other non-listed intelligence agencies that are dropping in to listen to what it is to speak freely. Hopefully a little bit of God will settle into your heart and will waken your soul. So here we go. There are a number of types of warfare over the evolutions of warfare. And what has happened over the time in our time is that Hollywood has done an amazing job of using the methods of fourth generation and fifth generation warfare to shape the perception of what warfare is like. It has also been one of the most successful means of paralyzing the patriot movement. Now, you've heard me be very critical of those that are sticking on the two-way side waiting for the gun battle because that's the fight that keeps people inactive until the tipping point comes so far and then it just becomes a civil war and the only people that succeed in those fights are the banksters and puppeteers of politics and finance. You see... What we're dealing with here right now is by definition what is called fifth generation warfare. In fact, it's so new in the concept that there hasn't even been official doctrine developed with it. It's been discussed, but not officially. And as we discuss this tonight, I want you to understand that fifth generation warfare, as with fourth generation warfare, the military is not savvy enough to deal with these complexities at the level we're dealing with. And I, why do I say that? In 2013, I was working at Asymmetric Warfare Group, a small unit which is called a SMU, Special Missions Unit, out of Fort Meade. And it's at that time that I briefed the concept of what we were evolving into for the greatest fight of our lifetime, which was going to be that corporate institutions working with government, government agencies would be waging an information and psychological operation war against the people of the United States. To a large degree, and this was an advanced thinking unit, we were scouring the world for future threats. For the most part, those, those concepts that I presented were considered to be fringe, if not almost tin hat. The military does not have the capacity nor the authorities to stop the warfare that we are currently under. 
remember, militaries are subordinate to governments and they are restricted from going against private corporations. The irony is private corporations provide the military with much of the technologies that they acquire and much of the personnel they require to run those technologies. And so corporations drive policy and methods in the military while the military is subordinate to them. It's a crazy world we're in, but that's the military-industrial complex in full swing. And it's completely against our Constitution. Now, just so we're clear, the Ambassador Bridge, and I mentioned this last week, but it's very important to understand this tonight. When the Canadians moved, I should say, Trudeau and his henchmen, moved to clear the ambassador's bridge. That was not promoted by Canada. That was pushed by three companies, GM, Ford, and Toyota, that were losing approximately $13.9 million a day. When a corporation can steer federal policy, you know that we are no longer a representative republic of any kind, whether you're Canada or the United States. And much of those powers came about through NAFTA, which was never repealed. And NAFTA was only reshaped to give more authority and more power to certain institutions and certain corporate entities. So let's begin, first of all, with what is fourth generation warfare. First and second and third, third levels of warfare are all based on nation states and fighting between in a conventional sense. World War II is more of a nation state to nation state fight. It's considered third generation warfare. There's bombings and there's men on the ground, and there's fighting. But as we evolved through the 70s, 80s, 90s, especially the 70s, if you remember all of you were alive then, if you remember all of the early on terrorist attacks that were being done on TWA at that time, which no longer exists, Pan Am, etc., that was the, the, hostage, risk, the hostage issue in, in, in Munich, the raid on Entebbe, which had to do with hostages again, those were the beginnings of the fourth generation warfare period. And what it is, it was conflict that was characterized by a blurring of lines between war and politics, combatants and civilians. So the term was first used in 1980 by a team of United States analysts to describe warfare's return to a decentralized form. Rather than nation states, it was now going to break up into small terrorist units, for example. And what it was representing in the terms of fourth generation warfare was the idea that nation states were losing their monopoly on combat forces. So that was, the, if you see that as kind of like ISIS, the rise of, of all the other element cells, Red Dawn, other things like that. That was in Italy, or the Red Brigade. And returning to modes of conflict then where it was common, it was common in pre, what they call pre-modern times. So kind of like the guerrilla warfare, but on a much larger scale because these were network systems. Many of these groups were working and using the internet, the dark web to coordinate and to get their people in play. So the, the kind of the characteristics of fourth generation warfare is it's complex and it's long term. Terrorism is its primary tactic. So violence on civilians, violence on government targets not traditionally violence against military forces. That's key. A non-national or transnational base, highly decentralized. So transnational characters, meaning like Al-Qaeda, as well, at least what we were told Al-Qaeda was. There was a network, but remember, some of this was generated by the CIA itself. But this kind of decentralized network of, of combatants that was around the world, they have no specific uniform. They blend in with people. They can be your neighbor or they can be someone in government. A direct attack on the enemy's culture, including genocidal acts against civilians. That's kind of a trademark of this, which is all about fear, stoking fear, breaking down the concepts, the ability of their confidence in governance. All available pressures are used, political, economic, social, and military, in all sorts of ways. So this the freedom fighter concept of, say, Al-Qaeda, they're using informational spaces. They've developed, they've developed political influence through countries that are sympathetic through them, like Iran. They use economics, which might be countries that are sympathetic that might be harboring or holding back fuel resources that other countries can use. And it's what they call of low-intensity conflict, which means it's 
networks of people that are constantly moving, but it's not big battlefront wars like Battle of the Bulge or the other wars of World War II. The media presents warfare like it's always this big violent front line lobbing grenades and in there with Navy SEALs kicking indoors. And there's some of that is true. But when you get into fourth generation warfare, there's a lot more going on, which also includes the influence of youth, the recruitment and changing of ideologies, the embedding of people into school systems. This is where you start to see this hybrid. And it's very important to understand this because what we're witnessing right now at the first level in the human aspect is the fourth generation warfare. Our enemy has quietly over the years, since 1960s in particular, infiltrated throughout our entire system. Teachers, unions have pushed teachers to becoming one of the worst insurgents we have because they're going after the children. Doctors and nurses have become elements and agents within this because they're obedient to a corporation. They're not using their head. They're just obedient to a cause. And the higher up the echelon you go, you find that the true ideologues sit very high up in the pyramid. Larry Fink, who runs BlackRock, is one of the worst. He controls trillions of dollars in investments. It isn't even his money, but he uses them to push social change and social influence through corporations or he cuts funding. And that's your dollars at work against you. That's hallmark in a fourth generation warfare. There is somewhat of a lack of hierarchy. So even though Larry Fink sits high in the financial network, you don't necessarily know where he sits in the overall network. It's not intended to. They're just working in unison and in concert with a general ideological end. The end game is to tear down the United States, subjugate the people to some form of communist rule. But the thing is, they're even, they are even subject to people higher up than them. The networks are spread out. And the communication and the financial support is distributed, so it's very hard to track down. And they constantly use insurgents and insurgent tactics, which is subversion, terrorism, guerrilla tactics. But you have to change your concept in this when you talk about this because subversion, terrorism, and guerrilla tactics are exactly what's being used right now in Canada against its people, but it's not coming in the normal form. It includes banking. It includes taking away your money and freezing your accounts. That's terrorism in a modern world because it's in the digital front and it's decentralized. So as people were looking towards the UN troops on the ground, which there are some apparently in Canada from what we're hearing, that's not your main battlefront. Your main battlefront happened overnight with a stroke of a pen and the execution of using the digital network against you. And that's what brings us into what we call fifth generation warfare. So by, gener by definition, fifth-generation warfare, which evolves from fourth-generation warfare, is conducted primarily through non-kinetic military action. This is very important, and the word is primarily, not totally. So this is things such as social engineering, misinformation, cyber attacks, and other emerging technologies like artificial intelligence and fully autonomous systems. This is in the fifth-generation warfare. What you're witnessing in Canada right now is these hybrids of the two. You've got the foundation, the infiltration occurred at the fourth generation level, and now the war that's being waged against Canada takes on a fifth generation form because they're assaulting Canada through its digital networks and systems. They didn't get to identifying whose accounts were who and what accounts to freeze because somebody sat there and manually did it. Those were artificial intelligence systems that over the last 18 months of COVID have been tracking everybody's operations. They've been tracking your behavior. They've been tracking your political position. They've been tracking how you use your money. They've been tracking all your bank accounts. Oh, by the way, anybody, which I'll include myself in this, that took the COVID stimulus plan, whatever bank account you used, is now registered in that AI system and in part of the federal system to control and monitor what you do. This is how they've operated. And in the meantime, the banks and the financial institutions have increasingly moved to monitor, track, and itemize everything you do for this next level of warfare, which is to take away your ability to function in their financial network unless you comply with them. Now, where's the origins of both the fourth and the fifth generation warfare? It comes actually from the Chinese. And it came from a book that we've, at least that we know of, 
that was called Unrestricted Warfare. Two Air that was written by two Air Force senior colonels on the scenarios of war and the operational art in an era of globalization. Their names were Kiao Lian and Xiang Su, or Wang Xiang Su. Those were the two colonels in the Chinese Army, and they were colonels in the People's Liberation Army. Now, their principle of the book was this, and I would encourage you to read Unrestricted Warfare. Highly encourage you to read it because it's one of these things that's as important in my mind as reading Sun Tzu, The Art of War, and Mushashi's Five Rings. You have to understand warfare in order to survive. The problem we have right now is too many people are thinking tactically and short term. They are looking at warfare in terms of somebody fixing it for them, some hero arriving at the scene to take care of them, and they're losing the whole principle that this is not going to end this way. You're dealing with a massive global grid of a magnitude that we can't even imagine that has been built over the years at trillions of dollars. And if you sit back and you just look at it, you can actually just feel like it's impossible to escape it, which it is not. But that's exactly how they want you to believe. The biggest joke that has been played on humanity is that we must obey them. And people keep doing it. Even when the trucker's convoy was doing its thing, I just I couldn't believe the number of patriots who were like, this is a setup. Don't do this. You're playing into their hand. Lacking any sort of tactical concepts of war, even worse, understanding the strategic implications of what the truckers were actually accomplishing. People tend to think of war as we are all going to win or we're going to lose, and war is a dynamic gray space, in particular when you get into fourth-generation warfare and fifth-generation warfare. Because the battlefield is fluid. There is no defined line of where the enemy is or isn't. If you've been at any time on the web engaging in digital warfare, then you should have a pretty good grasp on the fluidity of the battlefield. How quickly it can change, how difficult it is to identify people, how quickly you can identify a rat within your ranks. And over the time, people have become very attuned to those sorts of penetrations and infiltrations, but nonetheless, they persist. And I think it's even harder right now for people to realize that we are still dealing with a massive level of infiltration. And I point this out regularly when you look at the objectives of those that are taking leadership, whether they are on the, quote, good guy side or the bad guy side. No one, for example, is saying stop the injection. No one is saying stop artificial intelligence development. No one is saying stop replacing jobs with robotics. No one is saying those are bad ideas. No one was speaking out against Trudeau taking on the country and taking over the country with the Emergency Orders Act. No one was speaking in favor of the truckers other than one or two people like Rand Paul. You see, this is, this is the warfare we're in right now where we have had a mass level of infiltration through all the levels of iconic and traditional methods of leadership. And as they have controlled, they being those higher up in the bankster system, have controlled the politics, they've controlled the people that are playing under them, they then look at us as the slave mass. In some terms, we would be called the goyim. We are the idiot mass that will be so easily fooled that we, with a well-organized plan over time, in their minds, we are too stupid to figure it out. I have more faith in us than that. So back to unrestricted warfare. The concept here is that we want to reduce one's opponent and in a, in a number of ways, other than direct military action, that's very important. That was the whole principle of unrestricted warfare. That traditionally, the Chinese looked at the United States and they said, there's no way we could beat them in a head-on-head fight. So how else can we circumvent what they do to bring the nation down? Now, this war we're dealing with right now is not just targeted at the United States. It's targeted at Western cultures and eventually all cultures across the globe, the prize right now is to wipe out Canada and the United States in one blow, and with that, the rest of the world will fall. And that's true, they will. If we go down, the rest of the world falls. 
So I just want to put that in context because Canada right now is the tipping point for for what's to come here. And the war right now that has waged up, this is now a ground war, and the lead element in this fight are truckers. And they have stirred up a hornet's nest, and it's what I've said all along. Canada is going to pay a brutal price for this. And I trust the Canadians will hold the line, but they are going to pay a brutal price because the Canadians were so bold as to defy their masters and to do it and cause various brush fire wars across the world on the same principle. And these people do not play nice. You have to appreciate the enemy you're dealing with. I talk about this a lot, but it's so important right now. This enemy is brutal. They have no problem cutting out your eyes and having dinner with you. They have no problem torturing you in any possible way they can imagine. They have no problem cutting off your money and watching you starve and not being able to participate in society. They don't have a problem of rounding you up and putting you in an internment camp and simply forgetting about you, sealing the doors, letting the torture addicts do their thing, and letting you suffer a long and miserable death. I don't say these things so that it scares you. I say these things so we get real about who we're dealing with. Because this notion that your governments are going to be there to help you, patriots, I hate to say it, but I'm going to be blunt. It's bullshit. If you haven't figured this out yet, that your government is against you, you're living in a dream that's being perpetuated by a mainstream narrative and you're not facing the reality that is before you. Our governments are no longer our friends. I'm not telling you there aren't good people in the government, and I'm not telling you there aren't good people in law enforcement. And I'm not telling you there's not good people in the military. But when you start to understand what their authorities are and that they're working under authorities established by politicians whose authorities, whose directions are given to them by the bankster elite, you start to realize that the system is rigged to work against you, not for you. And it takes a clarity in the battlefield to succeed, not the naivety and arrogance to think that it's something other. It's the bold fighter that realizes his enemy is greater than him that devises the strategy to use the enemy's arrogance and greatness to his advantage to ultimately defeat him. The story of 300 and Leonidas and the Spartans is profound because 300 men stood up to the Persian army in the tens of thousands, and eventually they were all killed. But the echo of what they created, like what Canada is doing right now and what that echo is it's creating, has woken up so many across the world that when you fight an enemy like this, you have to use a asymmetric attack coming from multiple angles simultaneously to dislodge them from power. Because if you let them push you, as they have been pushing every country, and everybody bows down and cows down to these ridiculous issues of fear that they will constantly, constantly regenerate and produce, they will win. And their victory is the death of humanity. Don't kid yourself. I don't care how much you pray at this point. I don't care where you stand in the belief that God's going to save you or not. I'm going to tell you clearly, it's going to be a long time coming. Our fight is right now. It's real and it is very visceral. And we don't solve it purely through prayer. Prayer needs feet and needs traction and it needs an understanding of what's before us. So let me give you a couple examples of what fourth of what they were talking about in unrestricted warfare. One of those is lawfare, waging war against a society to change its policies through the legal system. Sound familiar? Another one is education warfare, to subvert the education system so that the children are raised in a confused manner or at least sympathetic to a new system and they are turned against their existing system. That one should sound familiar too. Economic warfare takes many forms. Larry Fink is the penultimate in economic warfare, where you have given your money and put your money into Wall Street, into funds that ultimately BlackRock controls. Fink uses your money to help the Chinese get greater access to our economy and at the same time go to corporations across 
the country that he has influence on and informs them that if they do not stand strong or agree to the policies such as injections and mask mandates, he will withdraw their funding and ultimately flip the boards and fire the CEO. The companies are collapsing. This is the ultimate in economic warfare because it has to do with deep infiltration. Network warfare is another aspect of this. Infiltrating through cyber attack, infiltrating through trolls, bots, other things to influence the outcome of social perception. It still stuns me how many people fall for the trap of a single account, for example, that has a bunch of bots on it that are creating a chatter and how that echo chamber that's created influences a bunch of people to think that there's all these people against them. We have been dealing with an army of influence bots, some of them AI-driven, to try to influence the perception of who we are and what we're not. One of the most profound things for Canada, because it got away from social media in this truckers movement, and this is one of its greatest threats to the cabal, is people started to talk to people. People were coming together as people, and what did they discover in Canada? They weren't different. They were more united than ever. The perception of this, the perception of this is very clear, that if we don't have a control over our way of understanding things, that means face-to-face, and we allow their perception to interfere with us, we are broken. Unity is our strength. Division is our weakness. And it is absolutely essential that we come together and start to face each other and break down these barriers that they've put before us. Terrorism is another way of doing this. Terrorism, though, is a broad term in this day and age because, remember, we've migrated from the fourth generation into the fifth generation of warfare. And terrorism right now is being executed by the state against the people. The FBI are terrorists and against us. They have been raiding houses. They've been raiding. They have been keeping people incarcerated. They keep people under constant watch and fear. DHS falls into that same category. Some of your own police departments are doing the same thing. And much of this comes about, the biggest problem with this is some have agreed to this concept. Others are just too weak to make a stand to make the right choice with the people. But this is the way this system works. It pressures people to comply with the obedience to the system that they have taken a job from, not what they swore their allegiance to. But terrorism takes on, like I said, many forms. Terrorism is when it disturbs your life. Terrorism was the pandemic fear porn that was being pushed by our media. That's a form of terrorism. That's an informational war terrorism. And it's essential to appreciate that because in the fifth generation model, much of the warfare that's being waged is on your mind. It's, they're using information and perception as the out, to shape the outcome of the war. Ultimately, in a fifth generation war, with artificial intelligence, with, with bots that are being run on their systems, with an army of trolls that are pushing out false information, with an information media that's completely controlled, and the hand puppets of the state actors as well as the corporate agents, what they're doing is taking a minority on a global level and they're forcing the majority to follow them through the sake of fear. And people get so tuned into that that they block out the realities of what's around them and they stop seeking truth. We have been disarmed, quite frankly, as a nation right now, so has Canada until such times change with a straight single stroke of the pen. And by leveraging the attacks through economics. In the United States, they have been controlling the gun game for a long time. And that is, you control the supply of ammunition, you control the guns. You control the manufacturers of the guns, you control the guns. If you'll check it out, do check this out, by the way. You'll find that there are increasingly less companies that are able that are using American steel in the guns they've been dependent on China. You'll find out that there's an increasingly large number of companies that produce ammunition and ammunition that are controlled by Soros-owned companies. And you'll find that a majority of gun manufacturers in the United States are controlled by Soros companies. So look at how this works. Every time that they fan the flames of taking your guns away, people race out and buy guns and who makes the money? <laughs> Soros. Isn't that nice? And China. 
And so you're funding, again, you are funding them to a greater level so they can continue to fund other operations against you. And, of course, every time they fan the flames of 2A, the one thing they're always going for is either the Tenth Amendment or the First Amendment. If you don't believe me, go back and look at the history. Do your research on all this. I always encourage that. You know that. Patriots, this is the war we're working in. It's an asymmetric fight. And the problem is we get locked into too many narrow ways. What Canada is doing right now is exceptional in this because Canada is putting all of that aside. And it's standing true for a simple issue, liberty. And you know what? People aren't talking about how they're going to get there. They just are standing for the principle of liberty. And it's essential that we all start to relieve, believe this and follow this because this is the fault line for the deep state. So it's it's interesting when you look at the authors of of the uh, unrestricted warfare, they literally understood that military action of the old way, and this is the 1970s, by the way, they understood that military action of the traditional way was not going to continue and be successful. And it probably comes from like the 30 million people that Mao erased from the country. They probably realized that that was not going to be a socially acceptable issue worldwide. But what they do do is the military-industrial complex, as part of this, constantly fans the flame of these big wars, like nuclear war with this person and hypersonic missiles and EMPs. And they do that to constantly manipulate the public's fear and willingness to accept unprecedented military budgets. We're talking now, I think we're at $700, $800 billion or more in annual military expenses, and China's the same. This is ludicrous. Your number one business markets, your top business markets, not number one, but top business markets for making money on a global basis are drugs, military expenditures, and child sex trafficking. So you can kind of get a picture of the world that we're in. But let's just say that I wanted to use these methods to control a public. What types of things would I want to do? Well, the first thing I would accept is this is that if I take a mob of people and I talk to them about freedom, freedom in some form or another is going to take on the form of anarchy, that they're going to be able to do whatever they want irrespective of their neighbor. Again, what's important about Canada? They just disproved that theory. Because at the center of Canada's movement is God. And faith as a binder, there is nothing more important in this. For, and it's so important, and yet it is such a simple solution to fighting this war, and yet still so many people have a trouble have trouble with it. When we accept God at the center point and we come together, we aren't a mob of anarchy. We are a mob of unity. And unity, togetherness, no matter what they do, is unbreaking. And it's not a response of violence to violence. In fact, it's a response of violence with prayer and reorganization like Canada's doing, resetting in different places and continuing the pressure of what they're doing. Canada's being relentless. They haven't given in. But their country has been lost. Be clear about those things. So the way that we have as a world have to understand is this whole system we're under works on the principle that we will comply, that we will agree, that we can't live without banking, that we can't live without access to our money, that we can't live without the Walmarts and the Safeways and the Albertsons and whatever else you have, the Piggly Wiggly if you're down south. We need those. The minute that we start to step away and defy them and we start to defend one another locally, they start to lose control. This, is, this fight is long from over. And it is not going to go away with some magical sweep up of a few people that, that are bad like the Q program and suddenly the world's going to become a better place. This has to do with a mindset. It has to do with an ideologies that we believe. It has to do with the morality and where we place our faith. And as we shift back towards God as a world, we're finding our only answer. This is so big that we, um, us against them, they win, quite frankly. Well, you can imagine all sorts of great scenarios like taking over the communication center and hijacking a Humvee with a big machine gun on top. I got news for you. It ain't going to work. Okay. That's just a bloody warfare that at the end of the day, all it ends up with is scarring and pain that lasts for generations because that echo of death continues on. Canada has 
holding a, is holding a strong line right now of resistance and defiance. And that resistance and defiance will bring this system to a halt if the world continues to go this way. And these puppet masters of the world are going to be caught with a bit of a problem. Because if you can't make the slaves work, then what are you going to do? People, and I always will hear this, well, then they're just going to kill everybody. It's like, okay, we're all going to die anyway. At least we die in our own terms. And that's the mentality you're going to have to get in where we go. Okay, you have to stop fearing and start being would be a simple thing. But let's continue with this concept. So the one thing about people right now, the biggest flaw that we have, and it's the easiest thing to, to manipulate with all these systems of informational warfare and psychological warfare is that people are always in a desire to want, to envy, and to hate. Those are such easy emotions to fuel. As long as somebody wants something, as somebody, somebody desires something or envies something, it's easy to install hate. Trust me, this is an easy one. And all you have to do is deny somebody something and allow somebody else to get it. It's the oldest trick in the book. I'll reward him with this and I'll take it away from them even though they're deserving. And pretty soon you end up with this fight going on. So we as, a, as, a, as an end, or as a um, people that are facing a pretty extreme enemy have to get past those materialist, envious, hatredish type behaviors that have been ingrained in us. We are not so different. We have to find, again, we look to Canada right now for a beautiful example of this, that unity is greater than we can imagine. And by the way, yes, there's the people that took the injection, big problem in the long term. Right now, if they're going to join, if we're all going to join the ranks together, we stand strong. You have to understand that another critical weapon in these wars fourth and fifth generation warfare, which also loops back to third generation warfare, is food. Food in the traditional sense of access to food, but food as well in the issue of trying to create a concept where people don't trust farmers. We know that's been happening. Don't eat beef. Beef have big farts that cause global warming. I mean, something that simple. Or the, the concepts of like, wow, if you eat too much, drink too much milk, you're going to get cholesterol and get fat. You better drink our milk, like soy milk. That's better for you. The controlling of the narrative around food is predominant in controlling a society because there they can add the fillers, the additives, the modifications to the food. They can get you on foods that are truly unhealthy and they can wear you down. And then there's the piece that leverages off of the want and the envy, which is debt enslavement. And it's so amazing what you do because then what you create then is you artificially stimulate. This is economic warfare. You create high inflation. It's happening right now. Buying power doubly decreases. Not only does your, the inflation increase, then prices go up. And as prices go up with inflation and your wages don't change, not only are you, is your buying power decreasing, but what you're buying is increasing. It's a double negative. And so you wear people down, they have to go and they have to seek more work or they have to cut back on things. They have to, and the big trap, use their debt so they entrap themselves. The other thing that you want to do in this type of warfare is use liberals and their utopian dreams to distract everybody. The foolish thing about liberals is they don't understand is that if these people do achieve total control, the first group of people that will be executed will be the idealists and the dreamers because ultimately they're a threat to them. You also have to create an intelligence network to keep a monitoring on people. And you do this by using trusted groups of people that people would never suspect and would have a hard time believing such a horrible thing that intelligence was being taken on them. You can use churches, you can use internet, you can use government, you can use educators. And then if you have something like COVID, you can encourage your neighbors to tell on your neighbors because of fear of getting this unknown, this crazy fake virus. See, the intelligence network has to be complete. If you look at what happened in East Germany, once they pulled back the truth of the Stasi, which were the secret police, they were discovering that about one third of the population was reporting on the rest of the population. That's what they're trying to create here. But don't kid yourself when I say the importance of churches. Churches right now have been, so many of them have turned into the reporters of, for the state. And some of it's not even understood. If you're a 501c3 church, you have to list 
who your donors are. That is state information that's now being used to track people. Don't think I'm kidding about this. These are the open source documents. And by the way, as a 501c3, that's a public document. So if you are donating, it is a public document that now is used easily by the state without even subpoena. Patriots, these systems are designed specifically in these types of warfare to be used against you. It's important as well to, in, the, in the sense of information, that information is constantly used to divide people so they can't get together. Information constantly is used so that people don't trust each other, divide each other, and you wear them down to such a point that in the end, they don't trust anybody at all. Now, back to that church thing. What's really important about the church 501c3 model is that when you donate, people too often are wanting the tax break. That's where it all falls apart right there. You need to use amusement and entertainment, lots of it, because not only can you force messages within the subconscious, but you can keep people distracted and entertained. And you need to attack the multiple layers of society at once. So you're going to have things that are going on at the working level, at the senior, at senior level of corporations, all the way down to the children's level. All these different strata. And that's done how? That is done through informational processes. News, entertainment, news, entertainment, news, entertainment. That's how it's done over and over. The other big trap is you want to promise always a better life through systems that you control. Technology is a big one. Life is going to be easier. Life is going to be better if with a new iPhone, with a new iPad, with a new Google device, it's going to be better and easier. And so people are focused constantly on getting this next easiest thing. They're going to put themselves higher in debt, put themselves on contract. And of course, all of these products are sucking up data and information, which in the fifth generation model is critical to controlling society. Another big one you have to do is you have to take and translate success to always equal wealth, money, and things. So your icons of the society need to be the industrialists, the successful billionaires. These are people that you're supposed to look up to, and then you that's what you're always striving for. And that keeps people busy ladder jumping and not anchored in what those of the elite fear the most, coming together, living simply, and putting God at the center of all things. You see, all of these structures that they're doing is replacing God with them directly and indirectly. And it's very masterful because at the end of the day, in this fifth generation model, which this war is being waged in, an, in a digital space primarily, a digital and informational space, it's not like your enemy is standing before you. Your enemy is around you at all times. And if you aren't pivoting off of some level of truth, that truth, or at least the guidance of truth, would be scripture. If you're not going there and working through God, but instead putting that as a sideline and working constantly in the informational space, you're easy to pull off track and easy to keep there. And the worst part about in this type of warfare is unless you are conscious about these things, you're going to live in this other place and not even know you're trapped. Ultimately, you want to creates an informational environment that is so constantly confusing and turning that people can't tell truth from fiction and they become numb and disengaged. You also want to create conflict and political distrust in the politics system so that people decide not to be involved themselves, but to turn it over to somebody else. And if you do this long enough, you will wear people down to such a point that they will sacrifice anything to achieve tranquility. And that's when they win. Patriots, that's the enemy we fight. And it's persistent. It's, it lives and breathes this 24-7. I've said this before, and I think it disturbs people. Matter of fact, I know it disturbs some pastors, and I really don't care. Because I said, those on the Luciferian side are more dedicated to their worship than us on this side. And one of the responses that came back was like, don't ever say that. There are people on this side that are far more dedicated. And I said, I don't care if there are people as a whole in humanity, 
we do not dedicate ourselves to the worship of God, the one God, and all of our solutions as much as they dedicate their ritualistic life to their God, Lucifer and Baal. So where does this come full circle? How do we win? And it's always the same thing because it's not difficult. It just, I think it's for so many, it seems difficult because it doesn't fit the narrative of what a revolution and what a war looks like. It, we win by beginning on our knees, literally. We win by putting God first. And in the process of putting God first, we win because we connect with one another. We are starting to trust one another. We take time to talk face to face, or for that matter, just take time to talk. We start becoming less dependent on the news because it's just a cycle of nonsense anyway. And we start becoming more dependent on those things that we know we can trust, like scripture. We spend more time doing things rather than pretending we understand the world of the, the politics. We spend more time engaging family. We go through the seven pillars of county by county. We make our lives and our homes in our lives in our homes sanctuary and, and sovereign as much as we can. And each of those steps, it's it's not like this is suddenly going to change everything, but I just want you to pause for a minute and think about how successful Canada was as a nation, which started out about 1.4 million people, and now it's probably closer to a third of the nation is saying, you know what, I agree with what the truckers were doing. That movement, which started as about 3%, now represents approximately 30% of the nation. And that happened in 24 days. Imagine what that represents on a global scale. And when you work this on a global scale, the systems of government cease to become important. People tune them out. They refuse to comply. How can you make a third of the world's population comply if they tell you no and you don't have enough people to round them all up. The answer is they'll continue to work division. They'll continue to work hate. They'll do their normal thing. But the more that the people stand, the more the people follow. Why Canada is so important is it's the weak point in the cabal's program at a very critical moment. And what's happening now in the U.S. is significant. And what needs to happen around the world is significant. And it is important that all patriots worldwide unite and we're going to do that through our loving God and our faith. And we're going to do that by those that have that are what I will call the vanguard, the true believers. We're going to put Christ first in all of that. And that will bring the many more to follow. We have an opportunity right here to turn the tide on this in a significant way. But don't think for a second that they will pause. They will continue to push. They will continue to seize bank accounts. They will continue to shut down financial systems. They will do everything they can to bring people to a point where they will sacrifice anything for peace and tranquility. And that's where they're trying to bring everybody to. But that one objective fails miserably when you've already found peace and tranquility through Christ to the Father. And that's the simple Achilles heel to this whole thing. Fourth generation, fifth generation, tenth generation warfare, whatever it is, the only type of warfare that we ever need is our warfare, a spiritual warfare that puts God at our back and Christ at our front. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in these times of chaos, constant churning, the never ending deceptions and deceit, Lord, we just pray that the parts of patriots will see clearly that the true alignment and only alignment is to you, Father. In this time, it is so critical that we come together as your children, as one, not as divided factions and tribes. Lord, we pray tonight that that connection, that strength will open with the many, that we will find those common bonds and those common grounds that we will find those abilities to see one another for what we are as one in a body of Christ. Lord, in this time, we look to Canada and we are grateful for all that you have given 
through that, the people of Canada, the ability to see clearly what this evil is like, the fact that our governments are behind their smiley faces and their false promises, they are just a tyranny, waiting for the moment to seize power and to crush the innocent. But Lord, we also know better than to trust the institutions of man. So Lord, we pray that that trap will not befall us again. In this time when so much delusion is going on, the the rambling hopes of many to suddenly have a new social media program, Truth Social, and so many of these other distractions, let us stop with the nonsense. We pray that we'll stop with the nonsense and put ourselves on our knees. Go before you. Bring our case to you, Lord, as we do tonight, as one people, to ask for forgiveness for all of our transgressions that have moved us away and equally bring our case to you to ask for mercy and grace for our nations. That we can truly feel your presence, your power, not in the distractions of entertainment and social medias, but your presence and your power in the real tangible world as Canada has shown us on the lines together in unison, in fellowship, no matter what the temperature is outside or the comforts we lack. What we have learned in witnessing this journey of Canada over the last 24 days is the reality that a nation can come together and not need all the luxuries of the garbage that we've been told that we have to have in order to be happy. That we can make hot tubs out of nothing in the middle of a parking lot. That we can come together and feed the homeless and keep each other warm. That the greater value of what we're standing for has nothing to do with what I wear, what my job is, where I am in society, but that we're standing together in a common interest of loving you and liberty for our souls. Lord, if we have a prayer tonight, it's this. We ask that that reality, that simple understanding that to live simply so others can simply live, must be a banner for where we walk. That defiance to tyranny is obedience to you, Lord. And may we all stand knowing that it doesn't matter whether we live or die in this world, that we have life through you, through Christ Jesus, and that we must make the most of these moments now to defy and not comply and to be obedient to you. Let us build fellowship. Let us find the love with one another. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This is our time. And in spite of the media, and they'll never tell you that, they're going to tell you that the evil people of Canada have defied Trudeau, and they're standing viciously against him as the police launch grenades into the crowd and whatever else they're doing. We have to appreciate that there are people that truly enjoy hurting other people. That there are psychopaths out there everywhere. That there are people that don't believe that you have a right for any sort of freedom. That they who wear a badge and carry a stick have the authority over you. They can never take from you what you will not give. William Wallace, in the last moments, as they vivisectioned him on a table, from the bowels of his soul, screamed above all things, freedom. This is bigger than freedom, though. This is liberty, because that's God-given. And that's what we're seeking to achieve for every person on this earth. Canada has launched the war. Now we must all stand with Canada, and together we will crush this evil. Because We have the numbers. We have the unity if we choose. And above all, we have God. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Prayers, patriots. They connect us deeply with God. They anchor us in a rock of faith. 
God is with us. He'll never forsake us. We simply have to trust in him like never before. And through trust comes fearlessness. And with fearlessness comes an unprecedented level of bravery and courage. God is going to win this. But I always ask myself is where am I going to be when he does win? And my full expectation is I'm going to be on that finish line with him. Because the principal issue is we are here in this time, in this place for such a time as this. He did that. It wasn't our choice. So that's a badge of honor to carry. Because that means we have a huge responsibility. And what is it? Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Well, actually not. God bless. I'll see you a bit later tonight. (laughs) And out for now. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, This country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.